We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Tuesday, March 14th edition of the Roadwire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with Alex Perutha. We are presented by Smart Bracket. Make sure you check out smartbracket.io, especially with the NCAA tournament getting underway. Got a couple playing games tonight, the real thing, uh, starting, of course, on Thursday. Uh, Alex, we, we're talking NBA. It is, in fact, the Roadwire NBA pod. We're going to go around the Western Conference, roughly two minutes per team. Uh, in most cases, I would imagine that we will go over that two minutes, but you know, it's just a, just a guideline to keep us moving along. Uh, we've done a few of these throughout the season. Always fun to check in on each team. And we are at a, a key juncture, of course, in the fantasy basketball season, also an extremely confusing juncture because I, there are a handful of teams and we'll touch on a few of them today. A few more when we do the Easter conference later this week, there are some teams that I, I just don't know where, what direction they're, they're moving right now. They're, they're giving mixed signals. I don't know if they're trying to compete. I don't know if they're trying to make the play in. I don't know if they're trying to improve their draft stock. Uh, it's, it's a very confusing time. And I can tell you, you know, when I was setting my waiver claims for, for all my leagues, including stake league this past week, I, I felt like I was just kind of taking stabs in the dark. And then you see someone like Isaiah livers, uh, you know, go for $30 in the stake league. There is a lot of, will they, won't they in the standings right now in terms of tanking? Um, like we know about the bottom four, they've been the bottom four basically all year, but hats off to them. It, Hats off to the bottom four, but you know, we got like Indiana is getting, I, I don't know what they're doing. OKC, some mixed signals out of there. Orlando and Portland don't, maybe this, the injury reports yeah. out of those teams have not been that suspicious, but they're not in a great spot either. So, yeah, I mean, at this point in the fantasy season, you got to keep up with the news in terms of the injury reports and you can just be, you got to be really aggressive on the waiver wire with streaming because any given week, there's going to be like, I don't even know any, any team that's on a four game week that has a record significantly below 500. There's going to be really There's going to be legit streaming opportunities on all those rosters. You mentioned Portland. They, they to me are the most confusing team in the West right now. I think with Utah, you know, they've kind of been doing this gradual uh, tank and I think they're just kind of okay with however this plays out. OKC kind of given mixed signals as well, but I think they're close enough to making the play in. And obviously they're, you know, they're mathematically eliminated from getting into the bottom three. I think at that point, at this point, they'll, they'll likely push for it, but you know, we also saw them hold SGA out of a couple back-to-backs last week. They've rested some other players as well. Uh, Portland. I, I'm really concerned about mostly because I have Damian Lillard in a couple of important leagues. He sat out out of nowhere, went from probable to out on Sunday. That was disastrous. He's, he's questionable for their game tonight. Uh, I, I have no real choice at this point, but to just ride it out I, I feel like Portland, like if you watch this team, they look like a team that knows that they just don't have it. And, you know, yep. maybe if, they, if, if Lillard just goes nuclear for three weeks, it's like, could they get the, the 10 spot uh, and probably be eliminated in the play-in? Like, yes, it's possible. 
but it, it just looks like a team that knows what its ceiling is at this point, and it's a pretty low ceiling. They've been really disappointing lately. They actually have the worst point differential in the NBA over the past two weeks, minus 13, um, mm. which is crazy considering they've gotten back Anthony Simons and they got back uh, Nurkic and they had a pretty strong Ooh. game against uh, Philadelphia before they choked it away late. I was watching most of that yeah. game. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think there are some teams where they just realize they don't have it. And it starts to slip away, despite how great, you know, despite how great Lillard's been. Nurkic was horrific on, on Sunday night. And I, he's somebody that I've been rostering in a couple of leagues as well. I have him in stake. I was excited to finally plug him back into the lineup this week. And I couldn't even do it. I, I, I kept him on the bench. Like he was, he was so alarmingly bad uh, in his, his limited action last week that I, I just don't trust him at this point. And uh, again, I'm pretty concerned that, you know, we could see a pullback or even a full shutdown of Damian Lillard at some point, but we will return to the Blazers later in the pod. As we always do, we'll go every other. I have eight teams. You have seven. You will have eight Eastern Conference teams. I will have seven on the next podcast, and we will go in order of record. So I begin with the Denver Nuggets, Alex. We have two minutes on the clock. Again, the clock doesn't really matter that much. You know, it's not a not a hard deadline, but uh, it'll hopefully push us along. Denver, 46 and 22. However, losers of three straight. That lead in the Western Conference is down to four and a half uh, over now the Memphis Grizzlies, who are the number two seed. I'm not panicking about Denver. I, I, I don't think that anybody has really viewed them as this like ultra dominant, impenetrable number one seed anyway. Uh, so to see them lose three games isn't like shocking. Um, what, what is a little concerning is we've seen a, a pretty noticeable downturn uh, in the minutes for Michael Porter Jr., who uh, you know, had some comments uh, after Sunday's loss. Again, their third straight uh, was was held out for most of the fourth quarter of that game, checked in late. Uh, they, they ended up losing to the Brooklyn Nets. But he's played 24, 20, and 23 minutes over those last three losses. Yeah, Porter, you know, his minutes are up and down for various reasons, right? It's a, There's physical concerns and there's defensive concerns. So there's just going to be certain games where he gets like, 20 minutes because um, game flow, you know, they, they might need more defense or it's looking like it might get out of hand. So they just don't put them back in there. But you would think that's a guy they want to keep on the floor considering their bench is so thin. And I think that really got exposed. I watched the second half of the, the Brooklyn uh, versus Nuggets game uh, the other day. I think that was Sunday and mm-hmm. Brooklyn was doing an amazing defensive job. They almost choked it away late, but they were doing great at sort of like we're going to they were fronting Jokic in the post and then coming with with help um, behind. So they couldn't toss it to Jokic at all. They were basically like, okay, someone else beat us, literally anybody else. And it was working better at some points, not as well in others. Um, But you mentioned it. If you have Michael Porter in fantasy, it's not like you're going to drop him. You shouldn't bench him or anything. Denver's just on a bad stretch right now. Like they're the most disappointing team over the past half week or so. I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know if they're tired. I don't know if they they're fatigued, what it is. Um, hope they, they got to pick it back up soon. I, I think I maybe underrated how just poor this bench is. And yeah. it's, you know, one of the things that that's always cited in the Jokic MVP discussion is like, well, you know, the, the, the plus minus, like when, when he's on the court and you know, how, how bad they are when he's not on the court, it's like, well, part of that is Jokic is amazing. No question about it. But part of that is that the bench is so bad that, of course, there's going to be a, a terrible differential when he's not out there. That, you know, we always talk about rotations tightening up in the playoffs, and that's true. But, I mean, I don't really even feel good about their top seven or eight, you know, let alone when you get into depth pieces or you know, if somebody's banged up in the postseason. Uh, you know, I, I think anybody who thought Reggie Jackson was going to give this team great minutes, uh, that that's not happening. Uh, you know, they, they kind of have Bruce Brown who could float between three or four different positions but like on their bench he's really the only guy that I, I trust right I mean I, I it's, it's still a good team but they're still a, a very much capable of, of making a run or making the finals in the west but you know Jokic aside and, and that whole debate I don't want to get into that today we have we have no time for that but <laughs> you know this is also not the juggernaut type of team that you normally see as the number one seed so I, I guess that's a long way of saying that I, I still have a lot of concerns about the viability of this team and what's interesting is like the more you read and listen on podcasts and whatnot, like have you really seen anyone like pounding the table for like the nuggets are the team to beat in the West? Like it, it feels like almost everybody is unanimously skeptical. 
I think I think there are a lot of reasons to be skeptical, and the the bench is one of them. Obviously, they're going to play less in the playoffs, but there's just not that many guys you trust on this team. I mean, they're Christian Brown's been in and out of the lineup, but he feels like one of the more reliable players. Like whenever I watch him play, I mean, he's giving them good minutes. You know, they're asking a pretty good amount out of Jeff Green, and you know when you read stuff from Nuggets insiders and pundits, they're like, "Man, we really miss Zeke Naji," and it's like, "Like really." You know, like that's not a good sign. <laughs> that much? Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm choking on my water here. Uh, <laughs> well, we blew through the two minutes with the first team. We basically wow. doubled it up. Um, let's move on to the Memphis Grizzlies who have recaptured that two seed. Well, I mean, with Memphis, I mean, we're <laughs> John Morant, uh, the news has not been great. He's entered a counseling program in Florida. It's the latest news. I, you know, the, the, team seems to be sort of ruling him out by chunks of games, you know, Oh, he'll miss the next three. He'll miss the next four. Um, you know, there's not a lot of optimism. Like Mark Spears of ESPN said that he, if he was a betting man, essentially that he would not bet John returning this season. I don't know if that meant playoffs. I don't know if that meant regular season, but that's a really bad sign. If you're in fantasy and you have him and you need points right now, you, you might have to just drop him. I think he's a drop. He's a drop in fantasy. It's tough that he can't be an IR. If he, if, if you were allowed to put him in IR, that would be better, but you just can't. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think he is IR eligible in some leagues. I, I know we, some leagues. You know, yeah, I, I know like now that it's a personal absence, as opposed to the suspension, uh, he, he should be IR eligible. And if he's not now, he should be soon. Okay. Yeah. Depending on your league format. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, you could just drop him and pick up Tyus Jones. That'd be yeah. fine. Um, so they, they, they lost the first two games that he sat out against the, the two LA teams, but they won three straight against golden state. And then against Dallas twice, although, uh, Doncic and, and Kyrie set out both those Dallas games. So I don't know how much stock you put in them, but I think, you know, the, the, the jaw absence combined with the Steven Adams slash Brandon Clark absences for the rest of the, the season. It's just, there, there are some clear ads here, like, I mean, you're probably too late on Tyus Jones, but if he's out there on your waiver wire, grab him. Um, you know, people are grabbing Xavier Tillman, which I think is warranted. And I think in deeper leagues, um, maybe even some 12-team leagues, I think you should give Santi Aldama a look. And David Roddy, the past two games, yeah. has looked really good. So that's someone to keep an eye on. If you're in a weekly waiver league, just watch list him and see where he's at on, on Sunday. I've seen David Roddy drawing some evil Jamal Murray. Uh, comparisons and I, I kind of like that it, it checks out super unique player like especially if you watched him in college like he he's one of those guys who you're like wow great college player probably won't have much of a pro career uh you know ended up being a first round pick with Memphis the Grizzlies really liked him and he's yeah I mean he's he's kind of burly you know like he I know he's on our depth chart at power forward small forward and shooting guard uh but, but you know he basically kind of has the body of like a six foot five power forward kind of a Grant Williamsy type of guy but he could get out and run uh, you know, he's, he's a little more athletic, I think, than he looks. And, you know, these last two games, like you mentioned, 24 points against Dallas. And then in the rematch, 19 points at 26 minutes last night. I, I think he's done enough in these last two games that as, as long as he plays, uh, you know, significant minutes, um, trying to look at when they play next. Uh, they still play Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. So they have three more games this week. I think he'll end up being a pretty popular waiver wire, wire target. And really, like, Tyus Jones, to me, feels like he's pretty close to the top of guys who are going to be late season pickup league winners. We are excited to thank the sponsor of this podcast, Supported Intelligence, for their generous support. With Smart Bracket, their innovative decision-making tool, you could gain an edge in your bracket predictions. It's available on the App Store, Google Play, or on the web. You could find out more at smartbracket.io. Supported Intelligence has developed advanced technology to help people make better decisions. Their rapid recursive methodology allows you to solve even the most complex decision problems, whether in your personal or professional life. Supported Intelligence can help you tackle business decisions just as it can work to improve your bracket. Supported Intelligence has been leading the way in development of cutting-edge technology, and with their custom solutions, you can address your unique decision problems and improve business outcomes with their proprietary AI technology platform. Don't wait. Check out smartbracket.io today to take your bracket to the next level and make sure you use our coupon code podcast. That's P O D C A S T podcast to save today. 
how seriously do we need to take the Sacramento Kings, who are 40 and 27? I think given what we just said about the Grizzlies, there's still a pretty good chance to me that that Sacramento could end up with the two seed. Although I don't know that seeding really matters that much this year because of how bunched up the West is and, you know, all these teams kind of in the middle to lower tier teams like Dallas and, and the Lakers and even the Pelicans, especially if they get Zion back, you know, the Clippers are in six right now. We don't know where the Warriors are going to finish. Like, I, I don't know that getting the two or the three is like that big of an advantage because it could end up meaning a, a kind of disadvantageous matchup in round one. But either way, I mean, this season will go down as a, a smashing success for the Kings. Uh, they're coming off of a loss last night. Uh, <laughs> things got a little ugly between Trey Lyles and Brooke Lopez at the end of that game. You know, another chapter in the, the Lyles-Lopez rivalry uh you know but i'll go back to my original question like how seriously do we need to take the kings have have the has the possibility of the sacramento kings representing the west in the finals crossed your mind at all it's crossed my mind i mean your point your point's good that seeding i think matchups will matter more than seeding this playoffs but you know if you can force a game seven i think the stat is that Game sevens, the team at home wins seventy percent of the time. I mean, you know, obviously the team's going to have the high. That's the higher seeded team, but um, you know that helps a lot. So, I think the thing is, I just it's it's still really hard for me to imagine them getting past the Suns. Like, what would have to happen? Like, if we're assuming Durant comes back, I don't I, I don't understand what a, a King Sun series looks like where the where the kings come out victorious in that i just their defense is horrible how are they stopping kevin durant yeah i I think that's a question that a lot of teams in the west are going to be asking i mean it's it's pretty wild the kings are first in offense and dead last in defense in the last 10 games i mean you you can't have a wider split than that i I think they they're going to need some serious help uh whether that comes in the form of matchups or you know injuries like you know let's say kevin durant has a setback and he's not playing in, in round one or round two, whatever it might be. I, I think they, they need something like that to happen. And when you say that, it feels like you're, you're kind of sliding the Kings or you're, you're taking something away from them, but you know, I mean, it's a nice story They're It's just still not that great of a roster. Like they, they don't have a ton of depth. Uh, they've been super healthy this year when a lot of teams haven't, I think that's played to their advantage. Uh, I will say though, I would rather bet the Kings at 70 to one to win the finals than the Grizzlies at 22 to one. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I would, I would, I think that's a that's a fine bet to make. Um, I they I think they can get pretty. I mean, you can get. They've gotten plenty far with an elite offense and a bad defense. I just think the offensive aspect of it that's easier for an opposing team to game plan for in the playoffs across a seven game series. And you know the guys on this team, like the the guys who you're relying on on this team, um, Fox and Sabonis, they have no playoff experience, no real playoff experience. So that's a concern as well. Um, and you know you're you're leaning a lot on Keegan Murray to some extent, um, but they've gotten this far. I mean, we have to respect them to some extent. But I think that bet that bet's completely fine with me. Um, Let's get to the Suns. The Suns, yeah. I mean, without Durant, it's just I, I don't even know what you say. You know what I mean? Like this is not the team that will be in the playoffs. So there's not a ton to evaluate. Like Devin Booker t- continues to play well. Aiton's picked things back up with Durant out. Chris Paul's look good. Like this team is sort of in a holding pattern. They look exactly like they looked before uh, Durant was healthy and playing for them. Akoji's been fine. Ross is giving them minutes. I just, to me, this is all about when Durant comes back, I would pick them to come out of the West. I don't have a great counter argument. I, I think, you know, Kevin Durant's health is pretty obviously the, Biggest question mark, not only for this team, uh, maybe for the entire Western Conference or the entire NBA. I, you know, I think if it was almost anybody else, I would have a lot more questions about the fit. But I mean, we saw in the the what three games that we got of Kevin Durant uh, before the slip, he looked just fine. I mean, he fit yeah. as expected. You know, he's the most translatable superstar in the league. We've said that over and over. So as long as he's healthy, I don't care what happens over the next few weeks. I don't care how many minutes he's played with some of these guys. I, I just think Kevin Durant can slot in and be Kevin Durant for any team in the league. So uh, to me, it just comes down to, is he healthy the day the playoffs start? Right. And I was, you know, I heard, I was listening to podcasts and 
you know, people were like, well, oh, you know, they need the, they need to build the team chemistry before the playoffs. I'm like, what happened to the vet? Like you just said, he came in, played three games, and they looked unstoppable. How is that not? Is that not going to be the case the second that he comes back? Like, yeah, for the final. Well, it's also it's also the right year to have these problems, right? Because there's not like I don't feel like there's this juggernaut Warriors team where you're like, man, the Warriors chemistry will win out. Like, if there was ever a, a time to just slop together a, a team of all stars and go win the finals, this is the year. Yeah, like you could put Kevin Durant on the Atlanta Hawks uh, to start the first round of the playoffs, and people be like, can they win the East? Like, and nobody would be like, what about the chemistry issues? Like, no, no one would say that. So this is how LeBron should play out like his final few years is right after the play in tournament, they, they wheel out a giant, like wheel of fortune style wheel with every playoff team and they spin it and whatever it lands on, that's the team that LeBron gets to join. I, hey man, I would love that. <laughs> Although I feel like it wouldn't work out as well for him. Like, cause the team that LeBron joins, it, it becomes LeBron's team and you run the LeBron system. Uh, and that's, that, this is a compliment to KD, man. He's so so perfect for, for any of these teams. Like you said, it could be the Hawks. It could be, I don't know. The, you could put them on the Chicago Bulls and I, I might pick them to come out of the East. I don't know. Um, this is all to say, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot to say about the Suns because they're, they're still an incomplete grade. Um, you know, we, we're going to get to see, I guess, a little bit more of their depth pieces over the next few weeks. Uh, you know, Terrence Ross kind of fell flat last night after a few good games, you know, TJ Warren's not really doing a ton. Uh, I, I think if you want to cobble together, a counter argument for the Durant injury. It's that, okay, you know, some of these guys maybe are going to get uh, some more reps ahead of the playoffs, but that's, that's kind of all I got for Phoenix. Yeah. Let's move on to golden state. The golden state warriors. It, it feels like it's all doom and gloom in golden state. And every time I check the standings, they're always like three spots higher than it feels like they should be They're They're 36 and 33. They had a, a really nice come from behind win over Milwaukee on Saturday. Uh, it was to me, that was like the first, like, Oh man, Playoff Drew is back uh, game in a long time. He was horrendous uh, for, for a lot of that game for the Milwaukee Bucks. Tough, tough night for Chris Middleton as well. No Giannis for Milwaukee, but nonetheless, a good win for Golden State. They then beat the Suns without KD. Uh, they're, they're still kind of hanging around that same zone, as always. I don't know what to think about Andrew Wiggins. I actually, I, I consider myself, Alex, a pretty good like internet sleuth. Like if, if you know, I was always like the go-to person for like, Hey, I need to find this girl on Facebook in like 2011. I'm like, I got it. We'll find <laughs> it out. Uh, I was trying to dig up information on Andrew Wiggins. Couldn't find anything. I have no idea what's going on there. I have no idea when he's coming back. Uh, you know, he hasn't been that great this season. He's missed time earlier. Um, but that's obviously a huge missing piece for the Warriors. And on top of that, I, I it feels like this team suddenly just does not really have a bench at all. Uh, you know, someone like Moses Moody, has just kind of hit like a plateau in his development. He's been yeah. in and out of the G League, hasn't really been a regular rotation guy. Kamega's been okay. Uh, you know, they're running into issues now with like Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb having yep. availability uh, as two way players. So um, I don't know. I'm right off the Warriors. They were the champions less than a year ago. I think you're foolish to do that. They're, they're a five seed, they're above the play in. Uh, but it's just, this has been a thoroughly weird season for Golden State. Really weird with the uh, the uh, home versus away splits. But I think if you were to say, you know, look, Steph Curry, how many games has Curry played? I'm, I lost it for some I, reason. My guess is 47 without looking. 43. He's at 43, okay. Yeah, if you were to say, okay, we got 43 games out of Steph Curry at this point in the year. We have 37 games out of out of Andrew Wiggins. Um and we are 36 and 33, I think most people would say like, okay, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Like, I think we, we almost have to recalibrate our expectations for this Warriors team. They've, they've really survived without Curry. They're making it work without Wiggins. I don't believe in them without Wiggins if we're talking like title. So that, that aspect of it makes it just really hard to talk about this team. Um, You know, but Kaminga's looked better lately. Like part of the reason they're they've been here without Wiggins is because Kaminga has done a pretty good job filling in uh, for him, and I think I think he deserves some recognition for that. I also think Clay has been really good this Clay's season. Clay's been great. He's been he's great. been super underrated. I, I think I I remember talking to you about this like during the finals last year. It was, it was so weird. Like people, it felt like people were going out of their way to say that Clay was done and he'll never be the same guy. And like, yeah, if you want to say he's, he's not the same dude on defense, of course that's true. But I mean, last 30 games. So we're going all the way back to Christmas day. He's averaging 26 points, four and a half boards, two and a half assists, 46% from the field, 
almost 44% from three, five makes a game. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of that, of course, came without Steph Curry, but he's been fantastic. Like, I, I think Clay is as close to getting back to the old Clay as Warriors fans could have hoped. I mean, he's tied his career high in scoring this season. Yeah, he's taking he's taking a career high 10.6 threes a game. He's been really aggressive when Curry's out, and that's exactly what they need because no one no one else is really going to do it besides Jordan mm-hmm. Poole, and there are just times you don't want Poole out there because he can't play defense. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, all right, I'm going to move along to the Clippers, who are 36 and 33. Um, Kawhi Leonard continues, like we've talked about this before, he continues to look like one of the best players in the NBA right now. Um, part of the problem is that the Clippers, they just, they haven't been great. Um, just really disappointing. They're, they're three and three over the past six games. You know, they got Norman Powell missing time, uh, Westbrook. Uh, predictably is his stats are falling off. His minutes are decreasing. He's played 23 minutes in back-to-back games. I don't really know what's, what's going to happen there. Um, And the rest of it, you know, it's just, again, they're Plumlee's been a decent backup. Eric Gorgon's come in and kind of done exactly what we've expected from him. Highland is like not in the rotation. Um, But the main takeaways are Kawhi looks like one of the best players in the world again. And, and I don't, I've, Westbrook, I, I mean, I have to assume he's going to be on the roster come playoff time, but it, in some ways, this could be the beginning of the end. I, I really don't know. They have won three in a row at 0 and 5 uh, once Westbrook joined That's... the team, but it, it's they've been on TV a, a bunch lately. So I've, I've actually watched quite a few Clippers games. They've had the late slots. And I mean, they, like when, when Westbrook's out there, it's it's like watching the Lakers. Like they're they're instantly inheriting the exact same problems that the Lakers did. And, you know, he went from playing like 28 to 32 minutes, his first handful of games with the team. And now, like you said, 23 minutes of back-to-back games. Like, I, I think they realize that they really have to pick their spots 
with him. And, you know, the numbers are down across the board. The only thing that's not down is the turnovers, you know, still found a way to commit three turnovers each of the last two games. Like he's just a wildly damaging player. Like I, I think if, if we're living in a world where the Clippers are in the West finals, I think Russell Westbrook is picking up DNPs or he's playing like 14 minutes off the bench. Like there's just, there's no way that this team could play him 30 minutes and expect to have success in the playoffs. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's too early to start looking at next year, but what, where the hell does he land? Where, what team is picking up Russell Westbrook? Like, I, I do think it's totally possible that he is, you know, we, we go like all the way until like September, October, and he's not on a team. Yeah, I still, I'm still kind of holding out for the bulls, but if Lonzo oh. is going to come back, you know, I, in theory, like if, if Lonzo's career was over, I think they just grab Westbrook and be like, all right, this is what we're doing now. But Why, yeah, though? I don't like what, what basketball executive at this point, when everybody has all the numbers and everybody, you know, has analytics stats, like there's, there's not a divide anymore where teams like some teams are ahead of others. Like what team could justify this? I, I just don't get it. It's tough because we sort of, we weren't having the same conversations about Mello, but you know, Mello was very resistant to the idea of coming off of, off the bench and sort of playing this like sixth man role ended up doing so with Portland and he was fine, I guess for Portland. Um, but yeah, I mean, Westbrook doesn't seem like he would have, I mean, I, I don't know. We also didn't think Mello would buy into that. Maybe it will take, like you mentioned, all the training camps are done and Westbrook's just not on a team. I don't know. I really, I really have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I think the big difference going into this summer versus the past few years is the contract, right? Uh, you know, that's no longer yeah. this like massive albatross where you're talking about him as a player, as opposed to a dollar figure. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, maybe for some teams that makes it more appealing, but I also think for this specific season, he was an expiring deal. So I, I think, you know, it was kind of a, a lottery ticket type of thing. Whereas next year you're going to be the team that's, that's actually signing him to that contract. I don't know. I, I think to be totally honest, I, I feel like OKC is like the the last place where he could maybe go and have like a, a final lap. But at the same time, right. you know, like as, as much as the thunder would probably like that PR wise, I don't really think they're going to be in a position next year where that would make any sense for them basketball wise. I can't, if I'm them, I can't take the ball out of the hands of SGA Giddy or Jalen Williams. Just can't do it. That's the last guy you would want, like shepherding in the new era, uh, again, from a basketball perspective, because I, I don't think Westbrook's a bad guy. I don't think he's a bad teammate. There you go. There's a reason that guys seem to, for whatever reason, are like blinded by this and, and want to keep playing with him. Uh, but it, it's going to be interesting next year. Let's go to the Timberwolves. We're right in the middle. They are the seventh seed in the Western Conference. Uh, you know, they're one game away from being the five. They're a game and a half away from being the 11 or 12 seed right now. Uh, so still kind of hanging by a thread. Uh, I, I don't have a ton of notes for Minnesota right now. They're coming off of a nice blowout win last night at Atlanta, put up almost 140 in that game. Uh, you know, Rudy Gobert has been slightly better since the, the D'Angelo Russell trade. Um, I, I thought it was amazing, by the way, that I, I think it was John Krasinski of The Athletic had a note after the deal that, that said uh, D'Angelo Russell was, quote, wearing his hatred for Rudy Gobert on his sleeve. Hatred. Um, which His hatred, yeah. So it's like, I mean, things must have been pretty bad. Um, still not blocking a ton of shots, but you know, he's, he's at least uh, been, been slightly better. Uh, I mean, the, the big question with this team is, is still Carl Anthony Towns. I think if he is not back and looking like Carl Anthony Towns, they have a pretty rigid ceiling. Um, he's been doing one-on-one -on -one work uh, earlier this week. We, we still have no timetable whatsoever. If, you're, if you've been holding him in an IR spot since, I don't even know when's the last time he's played, late November, if you've oh still been God. holding him at this point, do you cut bait? Are you are you willing to dream that he'll be back for like the final week and a half? I think you and I have been watching injury reports and trying to read you know read through the lines of 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 reporting on guys' progress for a long time. And if I see a note on March fourteenth, which today, that Carl Anthony Towns is limited to one on one work, and on March 14th, and you're asking me, will he play before the end of the season? Probably not. And if he does, it's going to be so limited that maybe it's 15, 20 minutes a game, just rant, trying to get him ready for the playoffs. Again, it's hard for me to say yet. Like, you've held him for four months or whatever. Drop him now. But if you have the IR spot, I, yeah, who cares, right? Like, hang on to him. If you don't, yeah. 
there's so many streaming opportunities at this point in the year. You can just, you can get productive players. He's also been out for so long that I think you worry, like, let's say he comes back looking at their schedule for like Monday, the 27th at Sacramento. It's like he could play 10 minutes in that game and then maybe sit out Wednesday against Phoenix and then play 18 minutes Friday against the Lakers where it's like, you, you, you kind of feel like, all right, I've held him an IR for four months. You know, I, I'm not going to ditch him now. And then he's finally healthy and you put him in there. And he, he actually ends up producing less than a, a four game streaming option would have given you because he doesn't look like Carl Anthony Towns because he's been out for so long. So like, to me, there's a, there's a very defined difference in, um, you know, handling a player who's missed a couple of weeks versus missing that much time where you, you just kind of have to expect that there's a reintegration period. A hundred percent. Um, other than that, for the Wolves, yeah, it's pretty much been a holding pattern. You know, Anthony Edwards looks great. Kyle Anderson continues to put up great numbers. Um, Conley's look good. McDaniel's good defensive guy. So, yeah, other than yeah. Towns, I think it's kind of been um, pretty pretty study since the uh, the D-Lo trade. Uh, let's go to Dallas, who we talked about briefly, uh, at least mentioned a couple of times. They've been w- without um, Irving and Doncic. I don't know why I keep saying Irving. Um, nobody calls him Irving. Uh, <laughs> Kyrie, I know, that's like I always say it's like calling Kawhi Leonard. It makes me it makes yes. me uncomfortable. Uh, Kyrie and Doncic have been out the past two games. Not really clear when they'll be back, so that's something to keep an eye on, especially for those of us that have both of them in our NFBKC uh, starting lineup this week. Oh, uh, yeah, not great. So obviously, you know, we saw big games from Josh Green and Jagged Harvey because someone had to dribble the basketball for this team and try to make plays. Um, you know, once Dodgich and Irving are back, Irving, Kyrie are back. Um, <laughs> then those guys, well, it's just like, it's like an impulse. I think it's from writing notes. You know, we yeah. write notes for the site. You always have to use the last name. Um, other than that though, I mean, they, they continue to be disappointing, right? Like they just cannot figure it out with, with these guys in the court together. They just haven't been good. They're under 500 now. They're 34 and 35. And I would I would bank on them figuring it out because the offense is going to be so great. Like you would think that they could put together a sort of Sacramento Kings style profile of a team. You know, we're top five on offense, bottom five on defense, but we're going to get into the playoffs and we have a legitimate shot. It just hasn't looked like that. Yeah, I, I don't think people realize like how close they are to like potentially falling out of play-in territory. Uh, like the, the Luca injury could not have happened at a worse time. And I think they're lucky that it looks like it's only like a bruise, I believe to that thigh. Yeah. Uh, you know, at first you, know, you went for the MRI and you're thinking, Oh man, if this is multiple weeks, they're in real trouble here. Uh, like I, I don't think we talk about Dallas and the Lakers in the same breath, but those teams are separated by a half game right now. Uh, and you know, I think if the Lakers had LeBron, this would be a significantly dicier situation for the map. So I, I think they're going to be okay, partially because uh, they have one of the five easiest schedules the rest of the way. Uh, they, they do still have to play Philly. They have a game against Memphis, but you know, that's a, a diminished version of Memphis. Uh, they, they play Golden State, Miami, and the Kings. But other than that, they get the Spurs twice. They get the Hornets twice. They get the Pacers, the Bulls, the Hawks, uh, and then a, a game against the Lakers that'll actually have pretty significant implications. But uh, getting those four games against San Antonio and Charlotte even if Kyrie and, and Luca are out, like at worst, you're, you're going three and one in those games. You would hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the Lakers who are ninth in the Western conference. Uh, kind of a little bit of a, a mini rough stretch for Anthony Davis. Uh, it's just, he's become so difficult to figure out. I guess this isn't anything new, uh, but you know, initially when LeBron goes down, it looks like, all right, he's ready to step up, carry the workload. He had, Three straight games where he was at 38, 39, and 30 points. You know, had that 30-22 game in a win over Memphis. And then he puts up eight points and nine rebounds uh, against Toronto, although they did win that game. Uh, and then was, you know, pretty limited. Eight of 18 shooting against the Knicks on Sunday. You know, Lakers just kind of remain a, a 50-50 type of team to me. I a, Their fate will ultimately be determined by the teams below them right now. New Orleans, OKC, Utah. Uh, you know, how successful are those teams? And maybe more importantly, how much do two of those three teams actually try to knock the Lakers out of the play-in tournament? Yeah, that's a that's a really important part of this. Um, the Pelicans just can't seem to win. Again, I don't know what OKC is doing. Utah seems pretty content bowing out. And Portland's a, still a bit of a wild card, but they should probably just give it up. And mm-hmm. 
Idilo's looked great lately since he came back. He missed what six games, came back, first game back, 28 points, nine assists, second game, 33 and eight. Um, you know, I, I love the connection between him and, and AD. AD was a little overextended, um, you know, committing a lot of turnovers, trying to do too much. And D'Lo helps alleviate some of that and just gives Anthony Davis like good looks and good spots. So, um, you know, and again, we keep talking with, I like their, I like their, their bench now. It's decent. Beasley's hot and cold. That's fine. A lot of these guys are hot and cold, right? Like Hachimura is hot and cold, but he's cold. He's <laughs> Reeves looks cold. really good. Um, <laughs> Reeves does look amazing. He's he's like a, he's like the second coming of, of Caruso in a lot of ways. Uh, Beasley, you mentioned by the way, last eight games, which covers you know almost his entire tenure now with the Lakers, thirty three percent from the field, twenty seven percent from three on seven attempts per game. So he's actually been pretty pretty tough uh, since coming over. But I mean, just the threat of Malik Beasley uh, and, and and you know D'Angelo Russell as well, having a point guard who can shoot the basketball. Uh, has been huge for the Lakers. Like they, they look like a completely different team uh, than the team that they were before the break. Important stretch coming up for the Lakers, by the way. They are at New Orleans tonight. Then they're at Houston on Wednesday, uh, Dallas on Friday, Orlando Sunday, and then Phoenix and OKC. Uh, I, I think you got to go you, to feel good. You got to go four and two in that stretch. So I, I think they're yeah. you know crossing their fingers that at least one of Kyrie and, and Luca are still out on Friday. Um, you'd like to say. You know, Wednesday at Houston is a win, but Houston just beat the Celtics last night. So who knows about that? Uh, and then I, I view the New Orleans game as a 50 50. Uh, you know, OKC is a 50 50 at best. They, they should beat Orlando, but you never know. Um, and then Phoenix without Durant, you know, we'll, we'll see how they show up there. Uh, last point on the Lakers. I know we're going long. Did you panic at all that uh, Shannon went and picked up LeBron in Stake League after you dropped him? Nah. No, I mean, I, I just need points. I, I can't. I can't even mess around with um, with having a guy on my IR spot that's going to be out for that long. I mean, I have, I have Bojan in there still, but I would just rather – like, I picked up TJ McConnell this week. I'm like, I just need people who um, play sort of and will like, – like, even if anybody. they play – literally anybody. Um, I think I put out eight waiver claims this week. Wow. I just needed to get somebody. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. I was like, I need, I, I need somebody on my roster. No, I'm not worried at all. I mean – Again, I just need to finish an eighth. It's a 16-team league. I need to finish an eighth. That's all that matters. I'm an eighth right now. I'm going to keep running with guys on four-game weeks and and stream the rest yeah. of the year. I, I think you're going to be fine. I'm competing with you for one of those spots. And things were looking up for a while. Uh, like DeLon Wright just getting like seven steals a game for a couple weeks was pretty huge. Yeah. Uh, but, man, Gary Trent completely falling off a cliff. And I, I, I picked up uh, – I can't even say this – Isaiah Joe – last week started him on a four game week. He was awful in all four games. I think he and Trent were like 11 of 50 shooting last <laughs> week for me. So like I, I, it was a complete backfire. It's like, not only did I get barely any points in threes, but they also take my field goal percentage. Uh, Mark Williams got hurt. You know, Nurkic is a sieve. Uh, so I, if they shut down Dame, I, I think you're going to be officially locked into that top eight, but we'll see about that. Uh, where does this bring us? I, I think this somehow started Pelicans. as a Lakers discussion. We are, we are now in the Pelicans. Yeah, uh, Pelicans and Lakers play tonight. That game's a pick em right now. Uh, Brandon Ingram is questionable. Uh, Ingram's missed the past two games. Uh, first one was a loss against OKC. Following one uh, was a win against Portland, uh, who we'll get to uh, shortly. The Pelicans, man, I this is just a really... They, they shouldn't be this bad. I, I just... like There were points in the season where they were surviving without Zion... Now it's looked it's looked bad. I mean, we got we got a huge career performance out of Trey Murphy. That was awesome. Um, Valanciunas continues to be up and down. McCollum's been pretty good lately. Um, you know, other than Murphy's big game, there's just like not there's not a ton here other than you know Ingram uh, Ingram's yeah. injury, but he'll be back soon if he's not back tonight. Um, you know, Josh Richardson continues to be a, a decent part of the rotation and someone worth considering if you're in a deep fantasy league because he's putting up great defensive numbers. You mentioned the Trey Murphy game, uh, 41 the other night, nine threes in that game. That was a win over Portland. Uh, ceiling wise, like did, I've, I feel like I've kind of had to bump him up a little bit. Like, could he be, you know, obviously he's not the defender that McCall Bridges is, but like two, three years from now, like, could we be talking about them in, in a similar vein? I think, 
Well, he's got the athleticism and the length for it. Yeah. I mean, physically, he looks like Bridges. Um, and he's obviously got great bounce since he was, you know, in the dunk contest. Or, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, when you're a 40% three-point shooter on, on six attempts a game as a starter, which is, which is what he has been all year. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's basically kind of how good he's looked on offense. Like, last year, Herb Jones was like this fantasy darling, right, you know? And I think Trey Murphy emerging this strongly on offense has, has kind of bumped Herb Jones out of a lot of opportunities. And it's it's as much of an indictment on Herb Jones not being able to shoot as it is a positive in, in Trey Murphy's favor. But again, Trey Murphy, he's not just some spot-up three-point guy. He runs in transition. He'll pump yep. and drive. He can dunk on people. So I I'm definitely intrigued by his upside. Super unique developmental path too. Like he was basically unranked coming out of college and or coming out of high school. You know, I think he initially committed to Rice, ends up at Virginia, which is like the least NBA friendly system. It's just really hard to evaluate guys who come out of there. Um, and you know, just like how many players are like one of the five best dunkers in the league and also one of the five to ten best three point shooters in the league? Like those skills normally don't cross over at all. Like if you're if you're a knockdown catch and shoot forty percent high volume three-point shooter, it's not often that you're also competing in the dunk contest. Right. And those are, that's, I mean, that's, that's something good to look for. And I think, you know, he was, his role's kind of been up and down because, you know, Zion was in then he's out and it's like, they can't, it doesn't seem like they know exactly know how they want to play. Not that that's like really green's fault. I mean, you deal with so many injuries and new guys, it's, it's hard to know what to do, but yeah, I think Mm -hmm. if he was on a team where like, if he was on more of a tanking team, like if he was on Detroit right now, Ooh. he might be putting up 22, 23 a game. The Oklahoma City Thunder, the 11 seed as of right now in the Western Conference. Uh, they are tied record-wise with both the Lakers and the Pelicans. They're only a half game behind Dallas. Uh, one of a number of teams that could basically be a hot week away from like, getting out of playing territory somehow. You know, we mentioned the Thunder at the top of the show. Still just not really sure what they're doing. Uh, SGA, for what it's worth, and not on the injury report at all uh, ahead of tonight's game against the Nets. They, they had a bit of a unique schedule last week with four games and two back-to-backs. Uh, they don't yeah. have another back-to-back until Thursday and Friday of next week, so the 23rd and the 24th. They also have a back-to-back, the 28th and 29th. We'll see how they handle them in that spot. Uh, but to, to me, OKC just kind of seems to be on cruise control. Like I, I think they are content to let the season play out. And if they make the play in and make the playoffs, that's great. If they fall back or SGA tweaks that abdomen injury and he misses the last eight games of the year, I think they're also okay with that outcome. If they're trying to lose games, they're doing a terrible job because they're five and three over the past two weeks. They've had the best like spread differential all season. I think if you were to bet the, the thunder to cover all year, you'd be up a good amount of money right now. And part of it too is like, yeah, okay. I, first of all, I think the SGA injury is real. I I don't think that it's some secret tanking thing or else he just wouldn't be playing at all. Um, but even when he sits, Jalen Williams steps up or Josh Giddy steps up. Um, Usman Jang has looked pretty good. Uh, you get moments, except when you start him out of Isaiah Joe and Andrew Wiggins or Aaron Wiggins and guys like that. Like they're just so well coached. They play so hard that even when their best players out, they're going to, they just continue to win games and, and catch teams off guard. I mean, even guys like Usman Jang, who we basically thought was like this project player. They took him at the, the end of the lottery. Uh, like he's given them really good minutes. He's been way better than Isaiah Joe for the last week. I could tell you that as somebody who's been doing a lot of box score checking for the thunder. Uh, he's got, he's scored in double digits in four of the last five games. Uh, been shooting it really well from three, been getting some steals as well. Um, so he's somebody to look at, I think, either in deeper leagues or, you know, if OKC were to shut anybody down later in the season. Yeah, they built a really nice roster. Uh, they, they've Obviously, they've stockpiled so many picks over the last couple of years that they've been able to stream guys in and out. But uh, we've said it a million times. They're going to be a really, really fun team next year. Uh, the, the only other thing I have on OKC is just want to talk about SGA uh, the shot blocker and the free throw shooter, because the free throw numbers for SGA have been completely out of hand over the last couple of weeks. So he's missed a bunch of time in here, but in his last seven games, so this dates back almost a calendar month, uh, he's averaging 35 points per game, 14 free throw attempts per game. 
I mean, he's got a couple games with 19 free throws. Uh, he's hitting almost all of them. He's at 89% from the line. Uh, and then on the season, he has blocked more shots than Bam Adebayo in eight fewer games. And he's blocked more shots than DeAndre Ayton in three fewer games. Wow. I would, lo- I would love to know, like, the list of guys who are over 90% from the free throw line and over one block a game. Maybe the I list is longer. For you. Okay. Maybe the list is longer than I would imagine, but there's just not that many guys who I think the free throw percentage is, uh, is going to. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, there's of, a lot of really good free throw shooters who don't even get to 90%. I think, I, would, I mean, I think you could lower that to like 85% and it would still be a really small list. Yeah. Um, but he's been, he's been really good on that front. Um, I'll, uh, I'll talk about the jazz a little bit while you get that stat. Yep. I'm on uh, the jazz. I mean, they've been disappointing lately, but what can you really expect given what we're dealing with injury wise? You have Colin Sexton out, Clarkson out, both out the past four games. Sexton's been out longer than that. Um, that's led to a lot of Taylor Horton Tucker. And uh, I've sort of mixed reviews. He's kind of like a bull in a china shop out there. Um, like a mini Julius Randle. Yeah, physically, he looks, he's, he's a huge guy and he, he plays a little recklessly. A lot of turnovers, but he's flirting with triple doubles all the time. Uh, they just today signed Chris Dunn to a full season contract, which is awesome because he's been great for them. He's a guy for, I would love to see, for my fantasy team. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy I would love to see make it back in the NBA because I think he has a lot more potential than um, I, I just feel like he got gave up on teams, gave up on him too early. Um, part of that was his shooting, but Markinen's continue to be great. Kessler's continue to be great. Um, you know, they like, Igbaji's he's had a couple good games and I cannot pronounce this guy's last name. Fontecchio. I don't think that's right. That's uh, Simone Fontecchio guy. Fonte- yeah, I, yes. I, I have said before, I, he's the player in the league that I know the least about in the entire league. Yeah. Um, he's had a couple good games. I think, uh, man, basketball reference doesn't even have a pronunciation guide on his name. That's, yeah. that's tough. You're, you're on your own. You're right. You absolutely. So I have the the list, by the way, of uh, what the one block ninety percent free throw club. Okay. And there is there are two two players, one hall one actually I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame yet, but he will be soon if he's not. The other still active, future Hall of Famer as well, who have done it multiple times. Do you have any guesses there? Wow. I'm trying to think of ninety. I mean, just thinking of ninety percent free throw shooters. Mm-hmm. Um. Was there was there a year where Ray Allen maybe got a block? No, not Ray Allen. Uh, and I for for the reference, I, I started at nineteen ninety. I didn't I didn't want to go any further back than that. So we're we're basically looking at I like thirty at plus years here. Uh, one one of the guys is doing it this season in addition to SGA. Oh wow, this season. And I also put a a minimum five hundred minutes played for reference here. Um, is Tatum over a block a game? No, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant oh, at one and a half blocks per game. Uh, and he is at 93% from the line this season. He did it two other times, both in OKC, uh, 2009-10, uh, So we have KD three times, SGA this season, Dirk Dewitsky twice okay. in both 05-06 and 2009-10. He was at exactly one block per game. And then the outlier here, Sean Bradley in 2001-02. Uh, had yeah, I I don't know I don't know man I d- never thought about him as a good free throw shooter 1.2 blocks per game and he shot 92 percent from the line that season. Oh, he's but a career crazy, 71 percent he... shooter. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, it's, well great year for him. Uh, yeah, good uh good trivia question. Bring that up uh you know at the at the dinner table you know next time you're you're with your girlfriend's family. <laughs> that, is, that actually is a good trivia question. No one will get the Sean Bradley one. No I, one I feel bad. I sure got the Durant one, but yeah. Uh, yeah, the Sean Bradley one, no one would ever got that. If you lower the bar to 85% shooting in one block, the list is considerably longer. Then we're looking at like uh, it, 53 is it, guys. Is it Embiid must be doing? Yeah, Embiid this season. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's at uh, just over 85% at the line. LaMarcus Aldridge a couple of years ago, uh, he's done it a couple of times. Actually, Embiid in 2020 21 was also on the list. I mean, Durant has done this like almost every season of his career. Uh, Yao Ming is on the list multiple times. Again, I okay. did not remember Yao being a good free throw shooter, but he was. He he did like that mid-range jumper, though. He had yeah. 
that that was money for him. So I guess mm-hmm. it, I think if you would have, if I would have really thought about it hard, I think I could have gotten that one. But yeah, that's a that's a really interesting list. All right, let's get back to the Western Conference. I think we have three teams left. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers. Talked about them at the beginning. Don't have too much else to say. Really worried about Dame getting shut down. Uh, they have no depth at all. I mean, they they were just completely out of that game. When they, they sat him on Sunday. That was the Trey Murphy game. And it was over within like six minutes. Like Jeremy Grant got hurt early on. Uh, ended up coming back into the game, but didn't really do much. Nurkic is a shell of himself. I mean, the, this bench is horrific. Uh, but Cam Reddish is playing like 40 minutes a game. Matisse Thibault's <laughs> playing a ton of minutes. They, uh, it, it kind of reminds me of the end of last season. You know, Lillard was out for so long. And, you know, like Drew Eubanks is carrying people to fantasy titles. Trendon Watford is playing big minutes. I, to me, this feels like a team where I, I don't think they'll shut down Dame right away. You know, he's dealing with that calf injury. But, uh, you know, looking at their upcoming schedule, if they, if they go like 0-3 to end or they're looking at a three-game homestand here. Like if they lose to the Knicks, Celtics, and Clippers, I, I could I could see them doing something drastic here and just saying, look, well, even if it only you know moves us from like the eighth worst record to the fifth worst record, like we're we're gonna do what we can here because as a franchise, they're kind of backed into a corner. With that said, they do have I think eight of their next nine at home. So if there was ever a time to make a run, it would be now. You said it. It's 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 like li- almost it's literally do or die for them. Like they have to, th- and this is the opportunity. You get the eight of nine at home. Um, some tough matchups coming up, uh, but you would just you just gotta make it happen. I. It's alarming to me that I, I pulled up the on off court numbers, um, and Matisse Thybul currently leads the team at plus twenty two. Uh, efficiency differential, which is uh, 99th percentile. So, like, they need defense badly, and he's really helping them. But it is concerning at the same time that they basically grab Thibault off the scrap heap, and Reddish is playing real minutes for them. And these are guys who essentially essentially got cut by their teams who were also trying to win big games because they just were not rotation players for them. Um, Portland and... losing that game to Philly over the weekend, that that really felt like... Uh, a turning point. I mean, they were up 21 points yeah. late in the third quarter, or excuse me, late in the second quarter, and led by essentially 20 for almost the entire third quarter. Um, I mean, that was just, it was crushing. I, I think, I think that was that would have been a signature win in a season that has not had many signature wins. Uh, I mean, they they led for 46 minutes in that game, and it was yeah. tied for basically the other two minutes. Philly led for one second. Simons was on fire uh, in the first half of that game, like absolutely cooking. And it just, it fell off a cliff. Yeah. So could be another lost season for them. Uh, speaking of lost seasons, the San Antonio Spurs, who, um, if you look at their kind of like games played recently or, or who's been playing for them and who hasn't, it's just, it's like a checkerboard out there of like Keldon Johnson missed the last game. Uh, Sohan has missed, you know, two of the past four Collins has sat out. Devontae Graham missed a game. Like, Ooh. it's just they're tanking like crazy. Um, you know, if you have anybody on this roster, you are not safe. Um, I, I actually feel relatively safe with Zach Collins uh, on, on my stake league team. But other than that, it's just, it's all over the place. I, I don't know what you do, honestly. You just, if you have some of these yeah. guys, if they got back-to-backs, you got to worry but it's not like they have. There's not like they're really like resting any veterans. It's just like, oh, this guy's knee is sore. Oh, this guy has an illness that's a week long, and it's just it's bad right now. They're taking in ways that they don't need to. Yeah, you know, it's like, do you do you need to hold out Malachi Branham? Like, is he is he really gonna yes. you know, prevent you from from losing this game? Uh, yeah, it's I, I wouldn't feel safe with any of those guys. You mentioned, I mean, Zach Collins has played in 38 of the last 39 games. He's as safe as it gets. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe they want to get uh, Sandro Mamukadashvili some looks yeah. in the last week of the season. But yeah, he's he's kind of the only guy. I mean, like you said, Keldon Johnson's questionable every night at this point. Uh, you know, Romeo Lankford's missed a ton of time. Trey Jones has had like every injury possible in the last month. He's only played four games <laughs> since February first. Uh, so anybody holding on to him like that's that's been pretty disastrous. Yeah, I don't I don't have much to say about the Spurs. I mean, they're. I, I, it's kind of crazy that they have bottomed out like this, given how, how good they've been. Um, and maybe they'll be rewarded with Wembenyama, but I like other than the Popovich thing, th- that's probably like the least appealing spot for him to land. 
in terms of surrounding talent, in terms of market, uh, you know, trajectory for that team. Like I, obviously, you know, landing that guy completely changes your fortunes, but, um, you know, that the pop mystique has kind of faded. The Spurs organization mystique has kind of faded. Uh, you know, that they, they had some pretty high profile, you know, incidents over the last year that have kind of marred the franchise. Like it just, it, it, it does feel like we're very close to, to officially entering a, a new era of Spurs basketball. If we haven't already. I think so. I mean, maybe pops phoning it in a little bit and if they get one, Yama, he'll, he'll lock in, but, um, <laughs> who knows? Honestly, who knows? Yeah. All right. That brings us to Houston. Uh, officially the worst team in the Western conference. They are 16 and 52. Pretty amazing, honestly, given what the Spurs have done all year, that they're not the worst team. Uh, but hats off to Houston. They they come in red hot, beat Boston last night without Shangoon uh, for the Celtics. And, you know, I, the only other thing I could really think to highlight about Houston is we are finally starting to see some good play out of Jabari Smith, Alex. We have. I highlighted him in my article today. Um, he's actually had a pretty good – he's had uh, six games straight. Double-digit scoring. That's tied for his longest streak of the season. Uh, the first time he did it was his first six games of his career. Um, but the last three games in particular, he's, he's double-doubles, passing a little bit better, um, good defensive stats. It helps that he was you know kind of nominally playing center against Boston. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, there's just not much happening for this team. Like Jalen Green, just it's just not happening for him this year. I'm, I'm kind of surprised, actually. Um, Me too. I was expecting more. He, he hit a big shot last night uh, that kind of sealed that win against Boston, uh, but he was still eight of 29 from the field. I mean, 28 points on 29 shots. That's uh, not ideal. I, I, I remain not a Kevin Porter guy. I just don't think you can win with him. I think he's, he's a great uh, you know, innings eater on a really bad team, but I, I don't think he's their guy long-term. Uh, you know, Tari East had played a bunch of minutes last night, played 35 minutes, only had six points, but did have nine rebounds to assists. Still kind of waiting on the the breakout with him, but I, I do think that this last week alone is so encouraging for Jabari Smith. Like he he really needed a stretch like this, and hopefully he could continue it. Part of it is he's playing big minutes. He's played 36, 36, 47 minutes over the last three games. But in that stretch, three double doubles, 25 points, 11 rebounds, almost three assists, almost three combined steals of blocks. The three pointers are going down. Uh, like he he badly needed um, just a, a little bit of a bright spot, uh, you know, because he's just been so consistently subpar uh, for like the previous 60 games. Yeah, I would just, he feels like, I mean, he's not like a go-to number one scoring option. So he, he's a guy who would benefit a lot from, you know, being put in better positions by his teammates, you know, coach drawing up specific plays to give him the ball in spots he likes. I just don't think that's happening. And, you know, I think that that results in him, Again, like he's been all year being really inconsistent, not knowing when to be aggressive. Um, so I, it's it's good that he's turning it around. I mean, we, obviously we all want him to succeed. So I hope he continues to, to stay aggressive and kind of force the issue here because that's, I would rather have him do that. I would rather have him take like 17 shots a game, even if like five of them are just complete like trash and, or just try to get to the free throw line, like fling yourself into other people just to like, just so we kind of have a pulse on this guy. All right, man. That brings us through the Western Conference. We will hit the East uh, either Wednesday or Thursday of this week. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, have you posted the the betting article for tonight? And uh, wh- whether you have or not, do you have a favorite play for this Tuesday NBA slate? Uh, I have not because I was waiting for Ken to, to give his uh, pick, which he has uh, okay. right before the start of this podcast. But I... Uh, I'm going with the Evan Mobley over, I think it's 36 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. Okay. Uh, it's against Charlotte. Uh, Jared Allen and Donovan Mitchell are out tonight, so I figure he's he's going to get a lot more usage, especially in the pick and roll with Garland. And obviously Charlotte's front court, like, you know, P.J. Washington, Nick Richards, they've shown some defensive upside, but I don't think they're, like, polished enough. It's still a really weak front court, so I think this is a really good opportunity for uh, for Mobley. Um, and you like going to Orlando like tonight? Orlando. I'm going with the Orlando Magic. I'm taking a spread. I, I was, you know, I was kind of getting away from my bread and butter of just like taking points and, or excuse me, steals and blocks props against the Rockets and the Spurs, which <laughs> was very profitable until uh, until the uh, the sportsbooks caught on and and started like uh, you know kind of limiting which players were listed. Uh, but I, I like the Magic minus five 
they're on the road. You know, it's a, it should be a pretty tough spot on paper, but San Antonio is, you know, the still the worst team in the league. They have a horrific net rating. Uh, and the Magic continue to play at basically a league average pace. Uh, they're they're not a bad team at this point. Like Jalen Suggs is quietly playing really well over the last couple of weeks. He's had two of his best games, maybe of his entire career, just in the last week. Uh, Franz Wagner might end up missing this game. If so, you know, I, I'll have to make an adjustment. But I also think it's equally possible that Keldon Johnson doesn't play for the Spurs. Right. You know, we, we already talked about they'll be without Trey Jones, Malachi Branham, Romeo Lankford, possibly Sohan. Um, and we, we do need to keep in mind that Orlando, I, I think Orlando is totally fine with where they're at. I, I think they'll, they'll let the season play out much like OKC. Uh, they can't really get into that bottom three or bottom four. So I, I, I think they are motivated to win this game. And I, I think the Spurs, even though there's no difference, you know, between the first and third odds in the lottery, I, I just think they've, they've kind of made up their mind at this point. Like they're not, they're not a winning basketball team. So it's not often that you're advocating to take the magic with the points on the road, but I, I feel like this line could be higher. Yeah. If there's one team to do it against, it is the Spurs. Yes. Always, always the Spurs. All right, man, that'll do it for us. Like I said, we'll be back with the East later this week. You'll be back with Ken and Shannon on Friday, as always. Uh, we want to thank our, our sponsor, Smart Bracket. Make sure you check that out. We got the NCAA tournament coming up. No better time to check out Smart Bracket at smartbracket.io.